Welcome to Everything Co-op, bringing you information on how cooperatives can help improve your quality of life. This show is being sponsored by the National Co-op Bank, NCB. The NCB is dedicated to strengthening communities nationwide for the delivery of banking and financial services for the nation's cooperatives, their members, and other socially responsible organizations. For more information on the power of community ownership, visit ncb.coop. That's ncb.coop. Now stay tuned for your host, Vernon Oaks. Good morning, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks. Welcome to Everything Cooperative this Thursday morning. And we're celebrating Black History Month, uh, February, Black History Month. And we have on the phone with us this morning, Lakeisha Wolf. Good morning, Lakeisha. Good morning. How are you? I am great. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Thank you. Fantastic. And you are the executive director of Ujama Collective in Pittsburgh. Yes. Yeah. How did you get that job? <laughs> to be honest, I grew into it. I am a co-founder of the nonprofit, um, which was 11 years ago, a grassroots effort among black women who were entrepreneurs and, and handmade artists. And we came together to figure out how to meet some of the common needs and challenges that we were facing as business owners. Um, most of us were doing our businesses, you know, in our homes, on our kitchen tables, and we recognized that there was a need for us to come together and cooperate. And so that's what we did. And so out of that, we grew a nonprofit that supports multiple businesses underneath its, its umbrella with our membership and the community in general. So we've been operating a retail store and doing a number of initiatives over the past 10 years. So you have a retail store. You have a storefront. We have a boutique, yes. A boutique even. All right. Yes. And what do you do in your boutique? What do you sell? Well, our boutique offers all handcrafted items made by black and brown hands, local and global fair trade from here and around the world. Oh, so it's, <laughs> you, you sell things from other folks internationally, too. I, I thought everything was made right there in Pittsburgh by the women there. It's a combination of, of both. So we have uh, local and regional makers, and then we also work with artists from different parts of Africa, the Caribbean. We have a partnership with an NGO in Caragua, Tanzania, and that group sews clothing for our boutique. So we're, you know, we're we're doing a lot, and we're um, and we're seeking to do more. Okay, so I've been threatened to come up there. We've got to figure out when that's going to happen. Uh, I'm really I've excited. heard, I've heard you yeah. you've been making plans. Mm-hmm. So you have clothing from around the world. You have what? Do you have artists there. Do they do wood carvings, uh, jewelry? What 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 kinds of things do you have in your boutique? And yeah, and, we and, have. And we before have you multiple. answer that one, though. Can mm-hmm. you? How can people find it? What's your web address? How can people find sure. it? Sure. Our website is ujama, U-J-A-M-A-A, collective.org. The website is still up. We're actually in the process of behind the scenes rebuilding our website so that we can really bolster our e-commerce part. So there are some things that are on our current website in our e-commerce that folks can look at and purchase but not as much as, as we want. And that's really been our challenge the last couple of years is figuring out how to best do that because 
you know, we work with so many in individual and independent artists and so much of what they sell and or what they make and sell is one of a kind. And so we've been trying to figure out, you know, with a small staff and an intern here and there, how to keep inventory in the store and have a separate inventory for, for online. And so we've been working that out slowly but surely. So you'll be soon seeing a new and enhanced and brighter and and bigger website coming um, in the next few weeks. So can I get a request that you call it ujamacollective.coop? Um, that that will be next, I'm, I'm certain. We actually own, like, the .org, the .com, the .net, you know, just to, just to make sure that they all lead back to us. <laughs> so the .coop could definitely come next, and I've thought about it, so... It's not it's not yeah. that difficult, and the people that, that manage that are very, very helpful. So I think you would find that relatively easy to do. Okay. But that's my request. And looking at your webpage, there are some beautiful, beautiful dresses that somebody is. You've got a video and jewelry. It's yeah, we have beautiful. awesome jewelry artists. I'm one of them. I also make jewelry. We have folks who do like baby items, baby clothes as well. So we carry children's items. We have all kinds of um, like paper crafts. So we do greeting cards. We have notebooks, all kinds of things, different kinds of bags and accessories, all kinds of home decor, tabletop items, wall art, you know, painting, carving, hats, all kinds of things, body care items, all of that. So it's really a nice mix, and I feel like we do a pretty good job of, you know, nurturing our space and making it really inviting. And, you know, we always tell people, which is true, that when folks come into our space, when they come to visit Ujima Collective, that they're not just coming in to exchange money for products. They're really coming in for the the value that we add to our community. And so a lot of times folks are coming in for just the affirmation. You know, black folks come in for for the affirmation that they need. They know that this is a welcoming space, sometimes within, you know, an external hostile environment. Folks are facing all different kinds of racial, gender, economic challenges. And this is a space where we center Africana people. And our contributions, our creativity, you know, we really nurture people when they come into the space. And we do our best to make it a really welcoming environment, really for everybody. So you don't have to be black. We get visitors from around the world, which are, which we're often really excited. And actually, this month marks one year that we actually move spaces within the same building that we're in. We're in the Hill District neighborhood, which is a historic African-American neighborhood in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And so um, the space that we moved into actually now gives us the ability to have a separate space for our programming. And so that space we call our creative classroom. So it sits adjacent to our boutique. And within that space, we do all kinds of workshops and training for youth and adults. And so we're, um, particularly for our young people, we're, we're really interested in making sure that we're investing in the next generation of Black women artists who understand it's not just about art, you know, within our historic and cultural legacy, you know, black folks, art is never just for art's sake. 
you know, it's, it's a it's a part of a generational movement forward that really advances who we are and celebrates who we are. And then so we, we, we see ourselves as a part of, you know, something larger and that Ujima in our vision is about creating an institution that our children can inherit. And so, um, so that's what we're, you know, we're, we're constantly looking at what the future holds. And so we're really excited. And we welcome you, Vernon, and everybody else to come and visit Pittsburgh. And when you're here, to come to the Historic Hill District and visit Ujima Collective. Well, I'm coming. You made it much more exciting and inviting. I was coming because of the beautiful pieces that you have talked to me about before and I see on your webpage. I really like this video that you have that's showing the pieces that makes it closer. But when you talk about mm-hmm. an inviting environment, a welcoming environment, that is a space from what I'm gathering from your conversation, that people that are experiencing racism and the the negativity that that this United States of America has given black folk through through history and today, particularly with the current person in the White House, uh, that there's another space that they can come in and is very welcoming. And it looks like it's very creative and beautiful. So, yeah, I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to it. You, you're even pulling me. <laughs> this conversation is pulling me to Pittsburgh. Wonderful. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> and um, I work with some kids, uh, high school kids out of my home, which is Bluefield, West Virginia, and a young man got a football scholarship to the University of Pittsburgh, and I told him I was going to come up. So I'm going to try to do both and maybe get him and his friends to come over to visit your shop, too, and see what we can do. Oh, yeah, because the University of Pittsburgh is in Oakland, in the Oakland neighborhood, which is right next door. So it's literally a hop, skip, and a jump. Pittsburgh's not very big, so it would be easy to do both. Okay. I want to see how we can get that going. So why a collective or a co-op? Why did you decide, would you say, 10 years ago? Mm-hmm. Years ago? Mm-hmm. Why, why co-op? Well, at the time, it was clear to me at the time, and I think in other women, that the success of our individual enterprises, but as well as the success of our neighborhoods, really required us to work together. And so... Yeah, over 10 years ago, I was working at a food co-op here and was going to lots of conferences, learning about cooperatives, and, you know, and had been an activist in my community for for a number of years. And then it all kind of made sense to me that it's important that we use these cooperative strategies, you know, in line with our activists and with um, the energy that that all of us had to improve our, our communities and also improve our own lives, um, that all of those things come together. And so, yeah, and so when women got together, you know, when women get together, all kinds of ideas get put on, on the table and all kinds of work gets done. And so we began to really feed these different ideas, and, um, and that's what came out of it. At the time, we went back and forth, um, the, the members did, um, around what would be the most advantageous model for us to use, if we should be a for-profit, if we should be a non-profit. And what we actually decided was that, you know, Western Pennsylvania has a huge foundation and non-profit ecosystem. Mm -hmm. So what we decided was that we would 
incorporate our organization as as a nonprofit, but within it, use multiple cooperative strategies to get the work done. And okay. so we have a membership within our nonprofit that represents all of these women who are makers and artists and entrepreneurs. Alongside in 2015, we launched a consumer cooperative. So the community can also invest their money and get discounts on the products that they purchase within the stores, supporting the artists that improve their communities. And so, and then within our membership, what we do is encourage our members to cooperate. So we encourage like our jewelry artists to do cooperative purchasing to, you know, increase their yield of the things that they need and lower their, their purchasing costs. Yes, Look, I'm sorry. We have to take our first break. I was so in, engrossed in what you were saying. I forgot I'm about to let you know. We have to take our first break, but we'll be right back to talk more about the cooperative and Kwanzaa. We'll be right back. Washington, D.C.'s News Talk, 1450 AM, WOS at 95.9 FM. Welcome back, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks. Uh, the program is Everything Cooperative, and we have Miss Lakeisha Wolf from Pittsburgh on the line with us right now. And we're talking about Ujama Collective, which is a cooperative of black and brown folks. They make hand goods. They sit with black and brown hands. And you can go on their website, ujamacollective.org, U-J-A-M-A-A collective.org, to look at the products that they have, the beautiful products that they have. And you can join their cooperative. They have a worker cooperative, which is the members, the people that work there and do the, do the uh, art work, to create the art, and they've created a consumer cooperative. So people that want to buy products can be a part of the business and get discounts when they come in and buy. So fantastic. So I, I have the opportunity to be a consumer cooperative, cooperative, to be a member of the co-op. And before we left, you were answering the question, why co-op? And you said that you all had looked at a number of different ways and you decided to be a nonprofit cooperative. And you so you started the sort of the worker cooperative. I'm naming it that. And then you started the consumer cooperative. And right before we took the break, you were talking about how the folks that make jewelry will work with other people. And I would really like to hear the rest of that story. Yeah. So, I mean, essentially, I'm saying that encouraging our members amongst one another to work together to decrease the overhead expenditures that they have in their businesses, as well as increase their capacity. So sometimes that's with financial sharing, but sometimes that's also with equity. And so our members will invest in each other through their time and labor. And so that that happens too. As the sort of nonprofit head myself, some of it I'm aware of and some of it happens and I hear about it after the fact. And I'm like, that's great um, because we don't have to regulate, you know, um, everything that our members do. And so we really give members the autonomy to do what they need to do in order to get their their work done. And, you know, I think it's important to also mention that you know, the word Ujamaa is a word that, that comes from 
uh, first and foremost, it's a word that comes out of Tanzania. So it's a, it's a really old word from, from Tanzania um, in East Africa, but most folks know it as the fourth principle of, of Kwanzaa. And so it's, it's a word that means, in Kwanzaa, it means cooperative economics to build and maintain our own store shops and other businesses and to profit from them together. And within the original uh, contextual meaning of the word Ujamaa, it's really about shared wealth and work and a, a value that represents the obligation to be generous, right, to share with your community. And so we talk about that a lot here when we do our programming and when we're talking to, to different groups, when people come and visit. We talk about the importance of, you know, when somebody in the community is on the come up, right, they're able to make more money, they're having success in their business, and they're, or, you know, doing really well at, like, at school or whatever, that that really should be celebrated as a success for all of us mm -hmm. and that we all should be able to enjoy, to a certain extent, the fruits of that labor, right? And that if we're all doing our best and walking in our purpose and doing our purposeful work, then we all get to enjoy all of what we bring to the table, right? And so we think about that um, within our boutique. And so I'll say, okay, if I'm making jewelry and I have a network of people who've been buying jewelry from me for, for five years and I put my things at Ujima, when I invite those folks to come and purchase from me within this boutique, I'm also inviting them to come and see my sister's work and my brother's work because we also have some, some other non-member work within our walls as well, but it's about having this shared space and this shared opportunity that we all can rise as we do this work together. So that's really what it's about. I love it. And I really, I never think about being generous as an obligation. I've been taught it through tithing in church and helping your fellow man. And in Bluefield, it was always sort of anybody could have their feet under my parents' table. And uh, this generousness, sort of like it was a part of being black in America. That's how we survived slavery. And exactly. So, yes. So, yeah, but to think yes. about it as an obligation, I had not thought about it like that. I like it. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. I like it. And I think that, you know, it's really rooted in Africana values, right? And I say Africana, meaning that it doesn't belong to one particular group, of people or one particular nation, but that there, you know, I think that there are concepts and values and principles across the continent of Africa and that have spread wherever we've been around the world, right? And I think that if we really take heed to what has worked in the past, right? And that sometimes also, you know, and this is something that, that our members had to do as we organized Ujima is really also look beyond enslavement, right? So there are things that we've done, right, in the 1800s, 1900s that, that have been awesome, that have helped us to survive, and things that we're doing today that continue to help us survive, but that we have examples and things from our ancestors that happened before colonization. And so it's important to look at those examples, right, and that a lot of the things that we've done that have been wildly successful across Africa 
are things that could be and can be duplicated today. And so one of those things that's still alive that our members operate from and you find all over the place is this practice of the ASUSU, which is basically this rotating credit and savings bank in which everybody gets to put money in to this pot, but this pot goes to each person who is in this circle of people. And so, you know, the the ASUSU is one example that is so old, yet it's still being practiced in Nigeria. You find it in through, throughout the Caribbean, and then you find examples of it here in the United States, you know, black folks participating in ASUSU. Pat Thornton, who is the producer here, um, mm-hmm. her father they would have rent parties in New York. That mm-hmm. if, if somebody could not pay their rent, then they would have a party. If somebody lost their job or if they had hard, hard times, mm-hmm. and so you have a party where bring, people would bring food in and so forth, and then they would pay to come and pay to, pay to play games or pay to buy drinks or food or whatever, right. and then that pot would go to the person that needed it as a way of how we mm-hmm. collectively. So I like Asusu. I like different ways that we come together, which is one of the reasons I like co- cooperatives is that we come together, take whatever little resources we have and skills that we have, put them together and learn how we can operate together with those little resources to make more. Particularly with this obligation to be generous, <laughs> that we help each other, that we keep helping each other. So you've been in this for 10, 11 years in this collective. Before that, you said you worked in a food co-op. And I've heard you talk about this hand um, where you're making body care products. What what mm-hmm. What is that about? Sure. So I've actually, um, a part of my personal business, so I design gemstone jewelry, but I also have been producing all natural skin and hair care products for oh, uh, probably almost 20 years, a little less than 20 years. Yeah, it's not, you're you're only life. 20 years old. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah, so I've been doing this for a really long time, and I'm always meeting women who do this work as well, right? And so for years, I had been thinking about, you know, how can I get myself and some other women together to start a cooperative around these body care products? And so it's something that, you know, I thought about for a while. I think in 2013, I entered a business plan competition and I was one of the finalists and I won some seed money but the timing really wasn't right and so you know I organized some some women who are really interested but again the timing wasn't right and so I kind of put it on the back burner and this past year Ujima Collective was in a collaborative process with a number of other women representing four different women-led organizations here in Pittsburgh it was Hmm? Keisha, we're going to take our second break, and we're going to come back. This is interesting, and I'm going to hear more about how you're forming this cooperative to do body care manufacturing and this whole process of how it came together, how you're working together and getting the seed money and so forth. But we'll be right back. Please don't touch that dial.
Keisha Wolf on the phone with us this morning talking about uh, a lot of great things that that sort of our history and how it's evolved and what they're doing in Pittsburgh at Ujama. So we were talking about the body care manufacturing company and that you're looking to start off. And, you know, this is why National Co-op Bank sponsors this program, and they've been a partner ever since we started five and a half years ago now, to help get information about co-ops that more and more people can take what Lakeisha is doing and have done in Pittsburgh and start doing in other parts of the world, is that if you have an idea, if there's a need in the community and you have an idea, you can come together and get the data that you need to get to start your own company. So, Lakeisha, you had this idea. You've been making this product for 20 years, and that's you, you're blessed because you, you only look like you're about 25 years old. So that's <laughs> why I was, I was joking, but really you're totally blessed as a lot of black folk are that we don't seem to age or crack as much as some other people do, but that's a whole other story. So what you can I'll continue to help that is by having these natural skin and care products. Exactly. Those products will do you wonders. Okay. Do you wonder? But yeah, so we um, last year were working with a collaboration of other women-led organizations, and we organized a cohort of women who were interested in um, creative entrepreneurship and technology. And so, what it was was sort of this intensive process for these women to look at their sort of economic station in life, and and then offer them some very specific kinds of information via workshops and training. And then the women also, it was important that the women really helped to lead the process. And so they also taught a lot of the workshops and and classes themselves. And so it was a a peer-to-peer modeling piece um, going on as well. And so what was interesting is there were two uh, women who, who are artists and entrepreneurs and educators in our community who were in this cohort. And these are two women who I mentored years ago and they used to come when they were in high school, they used to come to my house um, after school and on Saturdays. And I used to teach them how to make jewelry, but I used to teach them how to mix shea butter. And so one of them had grown up and had launched her own business with another young woman. And so they were, you know, having these sort of whip parties and they would invite all of these black women to come and learn how to whip up these butters and know which oils would work well with with their hair and what's the porosity of your hair to know what product or ingredient you should be using. And so, and I was so impressed. And when she, she said to me, you know, what you showed me years ago, you know, really stayed with me. And you're, you're a, a part of the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing today. And it was just in that instance, I was just like, wow, it's time. Like, it's time to bring this project off the shelf. Um, and I, so I, you know, we, we talked, I talked to some other members about it. I talked to our board about it. And um, we decided that, you know, 2019 was the year to launch our whole body natural 
manufacturing cooperative. And so, yeah, so that's what we're doing this year. We've been working really hard, you know, putting things on paper, talking to different partners, getting things lined up. And so we're really, really excited about it. You know, I think that it's going to be a, a game changer for a lot of the women involved to become worker owners and to get out of their home kitchen and for them to really increase capacity that they can go after larger scale contracts and really understand and live what it means to be a wealth builder. Well, it seems like this, this whole thing of products, I mean, Madam CJ Walker, entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. millionaire back in the day, started this whole bit. It seemed like there's a huge need for that in our community and continue to be. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and you know, and women have, you know, black women have always been, you know, folks talk about, you know, recipes and things that were passed on from their grandmothers on down. And, you know, and there, but there's some things that are good that, that we've practiced for our personal care, but then there's some things that have been really harmful that we just didn't know better. Like, and, like um, frying the hair? You know, and is, it's, is frying the hair hmm? part of it? Frying the hair? Yeah, <laughs> probably fry, frying the hair. But, you know, more more specifically thinking about the kinds of products that, that we're putting on our skin and putting on our hair. Um, and, you know, our, our skin is our largest organ. So, you know, a high percentage of what we put on our skin is absorbed directly into our bloodstream. And many of the products that are created for black women are made with harmful ingredients. And so our health reports show that, you know, we we have an increase in breast cancer, an increase in um, like endocrine disruptors that are causing all kinds of issues for us. And some folks just don't yet recognize that it's connected to these products that we use every single day. And I think that also, it's important to know, you know, and to recognize that in the context of Black people and Black women specifically, you know, around personal care and beauty care, you know, it's been historically within this context that has told us that we're not the standard of beauty. And so within that, we've done all of these different things and jumped through hoops to try to meet these standards, but it's come at a cost psychologically, it's come at a cost. Um, health-wise, and it's also come at a cost economically, right, and that we're spending money going after a standard with businesses that don't understand all of those things, right, and and that those businesses are not owned by us, right? Mm-hmm. The majority of them that that we spend our money with, and, and those folks are definitely not investing in our communities. And so, I see that the manufacturing cooperative can make a huge impact in terms of being able to create jobs, being able to change the way in which black women really understand what it means to 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 be healthy. So it's eating right, but it's also choosing products that are healthy for our bodies and for our, and for our families, right? And that you know, and then economically, the the ability to be able to invest in our community in such a way. You know, there's so much evidence, I'm sure you know, Vernon, around the impact that cooperatives make in their communities, right? Right. And that 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 money stays in the community more often than any other kind of um, big box store, right? So so as an example, if you buy a product 
that is not good for your body and is made by a firm that's normally outside of our community. And then they may uh, ship the product into a store of some type. And so you go buy that product, you take your money, you buy that product, and then that money is gone out of the community because the person that right. manufactures that product doesn't live in the community, they live outside the community. So it, it, the money turns once or twice in the community when we buy those products. But in a co-op, people, I assume that most of the women live in the Hill District or somewhere close to it in Pittsburgh. And so when you all sell in your storefront, in your boutique, somebody comes and buys your product, that goes into your home, and you are more than likely spend it in the community. And right, that money right, then right, turns right. five to eight times in the community, and therefore we're really being generous because we're spending money in other businesses in that community, and everybody gets a chance to grow like you are talking about earlier. So, yeah, exactly. that's, that's one exactly. of the pluses, a huge plus of the cooperative business model. Not only the, the individual, your members, the worker owners, they are able to get social wealth because you all know how to work and organize and you learn how to solve problems together. And if there's conflict, you learn how to resolve that without getting angry and upset and all of that stuff. And you get uh, financial wealth. And then when you have financial wealth and social wealth, you also begin to get physical wealth and you're feeling good about self. And that's emotional and mental uh, wealth and health. So it all it all fits. And that's why I do this program is to get more information out to us. Everything that you're talking about, whether it is your Ujima and and your craft, your artists coming together, or whether it's a manufacturing firm uh, or any right. other kind of business, how we can come together, a credit union in the community. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. It, and actually, Vernon, the Hill District has one of the oldest black credit unions in the nation. Um, and it is financially very strong. It's such a beautiful thing. And that credit union is ran by a brother named Richard Witherspoon. And you should have him on your show. I can share afterwards um, his information. And they've been doing phenomenal things and are looking at their um, growth strategy right now. And so, um, and then as well, there is another organization here in the Hill District called the Hill District Consensus Group, and this is the group that really represents the sort of community table. It's where everybody comes, all of the residents and stakeholders, to understand what's happening. And so they've been, the past year or two, they've been working on um, housing rights issues, right? So there's a lot of gentrification and displacement across the city that's impacting the Hill District specifically, and so they've been organizing Black folks here to really understand, you know, like tenants' rights and all of that. But they this year are looking at um, what does it take for some members here in the community of their group to launch a housing cooperative. And so I'm really excited to support their work. And so there's really some phenomenal things happening here locally right now um, that, that I think are just going to change the landscape for the better. So I want to give a shout out to Marion Barry, who was uh, who passed recently, but was mayor of life for D.C. Because he started some mm-hmm. programs. One is called TOPA, Tenant uh, Opportunity to Purchase. And so it gives the tenants the, the first right of refusal when a 
multifamily um, uh, building comes up for sale. And mm-hmm. so there's been about, we anticipate about 100 housing co-ops have been developed through that. And they're called limited equity co-ops, affordable housing. And uh, another shout out to Anita Bonds, who's a councilwoman that has started a limited equity co-op task force, which I'm honored to be on it, to look at what does it take to preserve these co-ops that are already in existence because we've done, there's been research done in 2004 and another one being done now that these are great, great buildings and they really help the community and they help the people and they help families. Uh, and they are with this gentrification that's been happening and still happening in the district, it drives people away. So these are the kinds of things that help people to stay in place. And we're also looking at how to create more. So if there's anything we can do, I'm sure our committee would love to, talk with your committee and what we're doing, what we're finding out, what works, what don't work, and how do you can create more co-ops, housing co-ops, affordable housing co-ops to give people a place to stay in in their community and live a better quality of life. That's, that's exactly. what it's all about. That's just amazing. That's amazing. I would love to connect on that, Bernie. Okay. So there's a lot we can talk about. I wanna, mm-hmm. we, we're going to take our final break. Is it the final? Yeah, it's already... Final break. So we'll take our final break, and then we'll come back, and I want to talk a little bit more about Kwanzaa. We've, we've talked about Ujima and your your um, body care manufacturing. So I'll talk a little bit more about Kwanzaa and also what you're doing with the youth there and that's mm-hmm. what the future is all about. But we'll be right back. Please don't touch that dial. Washington, D.C.'s News Talk, 1450 AM, WOF, 95.9 FM. Okay, the National Cooperative Bank sponsors this program. Uh, The mission of the National Cooperative Bank is to help co-ops and their members through providing creative financial um, products, and they particularly work in low-income communities. And normally the Hill District in Pittsburgh, I've never been there, but if you tell me it's the black community, normally that's a low-income community or community challenge like Shaw here and used to be. So uh, that's why NCB is is sponsoring this program. Have you ever used them, used NCB? I have not, but I plan to now that we've had this conversation. You just reminded me I've been, you know, lining up my resources as of recently. So I'm going to add this to my list and, you know, see where within our cooperative timeline this this will fall. There's a, a shared uh, capital group. There's a, the New England Cooperative Fund for New England there are several different groups that are have been formed to help co-ops to start. Mm-hmm. There's also the CDF, the Corporate Development uh, Foundation, has uh, some pools of money to help co-ops get started. 
both for technical assistance and others. So there's and then National Co-op Bank and CDIF, the National Capital Impact Group, uh, has done a lot of work in Detroit, and they're doing work here. So they they help to fund these startups. So there's money around. So Ujima is the fourth principle of Kwanzaa, and that's cooperative economics, and you've talked about that. But could you, there's the first principle is Umuja? Umoja. Umoja. Umoja working. Which is unity, yes. Okay. Yes. (laughs) And so, um, you know, that's really the basis for for everything. And, um, you know, and so to... To form and sustain a cooperative, you know, we have to come together and unite around a common goal. Um, And so that really is, you know, anything that we want to accomplish in our community requires that um, for for sisters and brothers and folks to to get together and understand that we have something in common. And that even though um, we're not, you know, black folks are not a monolithic group. Um, We have our differences, which should be celebrated in many ways. We also have some very common things that that we can rally our energy and put our money toward that would benefit all of us. And so that's what unity is really about, that our communities can rise when we come together. And the second principle is self-determination? Mm-hmm. Tuji Chakaliak, one of my, one of my favorites. I love that word actually. Say it again, please. Tuji Chakaliak. Tuji Chagulia. Okay. Self determination, right? And that principle is rooted in this idea that, you know, through colonization, through enslavement, you know, black folks we lost a lot of who we were and who we are. You know, we we lost our names, we lost Um, our languages, we lost our dress, we lost a lot of things, Um, though, you know, we were able to retain some things, and depending on where where you're at, any given place around the world, or even in this country, there are corners and pockets where where folks have retained cultural elements, right, that that can be traced all the way back to the continent, and so self-determination is really about us being able to name ourselves, speak for ourselves, and do for ourselves without other people doing those 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 things. And it's about recognizing that we've always had self-determination as a people, right? And so, you know, within creating a cooperative, you have to have a strong desire for self-determination. You know, cooperatives are really a self-help effort. You know, it's it's a movement by the people for the people. And so in order to control our, our own lives, we need self-determination, right? That mm-hmm. folks have to recognize that we might not um, have an immediate personal um, thing that, that comes the very next day you, you start working, but you have to work at it and you have to be um, committed to it over the long haul. And when we do that, you know, that's where our, our independence comes through that sacrifice of our work, you yeah. know, so that's what self-determination is about. And the third one, and there are seven principles for, for mm-hmm. Kwanzaa, and so the third one is collective work it's and responsibility. Ujima. Ujima is collective work and responsibility. A lot of people get Ujima and Ujima confused, but Ujima is collective work and responsibility, and it's about making the problems 
of your brother or your sister, your own problems and solving them together, right? Which again is so rooted in cooperatives, right? Like when we organized Ujima Collective, you know, it really was a grassroots effort of, of black women saying, you know what, I've really been struggling in these ways for this amount of time. And another woman saying, oh my gosh, I see you. This is my same experience, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's really what Ujima is about. Like, let's come together. Let's let's understand the ways we've all been, you know, affected by these systems that, that are in place. You know, have have you been having challenges with, you know, child care? Well, maybe I can help you, right? And so that's really what that principle is about. That reminds me of Ubuntu. Oh, I love that. I love Ubuntu. That's am, one of my favorite. Oh, I am I love because that. you are and you are because I am. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I love that. And that seems to be the basis of cooperative mm-hmm. values also. It definitely is. And and I think that that concept really, it reminds me so much of that obligation to generosity. Um, We've done some workshops around the principle of Ubuntu um, with black youth, but also with youth from different places around the world. So we've done that, that workshop on that concept with youth who are from Peru and Bolivia and Ireland. And I think that folks who understand their own particular historical challenges in the places that that they're at, you know, when we share a lot of these principles, a lot of these principles are really universal, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, you know, yes, they're rooted in Africana history and context, but these are things that are really about human thriving, right? That if we're all human and we have a lot of these same needs, right? that if we put these principles in place, everybody's lives would be so much better. Yep. Mm -hmm. And the fifth one is purpose. Nia. Yes, Nia. Nia. So you you have to have an understanding of why you do what you do. You know, is is the purpose of forming this cooperative, is is it to fill this, this unmet need that, that we have in our community? Is, is it to put, you know, people before profit, right? Um, is it to help young people understand who they are, right? So Nia really is the sort of driving force why we do what we do um, that's not always rooted in the money aspect. Um, you know, it can be, but it's also really rooted in something larger than yourself. People first, planet second, then profit. Okay. Mm-hmm. So right. creativity seems to be what you all do at Ujama Collective. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that is that's the sixth principle. Um, and, and the word for creativity is kawumba, and the sixth is imani, which is faith, the right? Seven, that yeah. sometimes you can't just rely only on your work, but, you know, faith is about believing, but it's also about working and putting those th- two, two things together, you know, but really believing in in ourselves as our people, b- believing in our teachers, believing in our leaders, right? Having faith in our communities um, and in the sacrifices that that we make for one another. Uh, I can say it's amen, sister. And in the last minute, what would you like to leave people with? I know first is go to your website, Ujama yeah, Collective. Yeah, definitely go, go to our website. Mm-hmm. It's U-J-A-M-A-A Collective. 
www.ghostbusters.org. And I mentioned earlier in the next couple of weeks, we'll be having an updated website. We're working on that right now so that folks can buy more things and really see more of what we have going on here in Pittsburgh and be able to support that. This year, we're really excited. I'm thinking that we may come to D.C. Okay. What message, though, would you like to leave people with? I think my, my message is always rooted in purpose and also rooted in community. You know, that when we understand that one is we have some healing that we need to do. But if we're about that work and it's purposeful work, that whatever traumas we've, we've been through individually and collectively, that if we have the courage and the love to move through those things, that anything we decide to do cooperatively will get done. Thank you. Definitely. That's the end of our time. Thank you so very much, Lakeisha. It's always a pleasure. Everybody out there, please live a cooperative week, and we'll see you next Thursday from Milwaukee. I'll be up in Milwaukee next week. Thank you, guys. Washington, D.C.'s News Talk, 1450 AM, WOS, and 95.9 FM.